Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President of Professional and Educational Development at the University of Louisville's Health Sciences Center. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Professional and Educational Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Health Professions Education. Once a week, we'll come together and use this podcast to bring professional and educational development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Today, we're going to be talking about the Medical Education Research Award, which is an undergraduate clinical skills research program that's a collaboration between the University of Louisville School of Medicine and uh, University of Louisville Arts and Sciences. Today, we're talking with Dr. Emily Noonan, who's an assistant professor in undergraduate medical education. And we're also talking with Dr. Linda Fusile, who's professor and chair of biology at the University of Louisville. Welcome. Hi, Laura. Hello, thank you. Thanks for being here. So you are going to want to listen to this episode because you can learn about meaningfully engaging trainees across the continuum in your scholarly work, even if you're not doing typical bench-style research. Will you talk to me a little bit about what the Medical Education Research Award is, Mira? Mira, the Medical Education Research Award kind of was born out of this need for some students originally from Laura's lab biology was like, hey, we have these honor students that are always looking for research opportunities. And so the, the honor students participated in this research opportunity. It worked out amazingly well, thanks to the PIs, because they're amazing. And from there, we decided, well, if we could fund it regularly, then we can essentially funnel students who are interested in going to med school to Mira as a research experience that would then also give them some clinical experience that would benefit them on the way into medical school for their interviews and so forth. So we hatched this plan along with the dean of the college at the time and found a little pocket of funding to provide about three to six students a year to the MIRA program. We advertise MIRA as an opportunity for students who are interested in pre-health, specifically, I guess we say pre-med, and are interested in some clinical experience. Originally, uh, and one of the things that I liked a lot about Mira is what I have seen is when students are applying for things like this, you see a lot of students who have shadowing and other experience. Those students also tend to have doctors in the family. So what I was interested in is getting those students who don't have that privilege, who aren't in that same societal position and having them have this connection to the medical school, right, to have this experience. So we send out flyers, we announce it as much as possible. You do not have to be a biology major, it can be anyone. We specifically are looking for students who are relatively high performing, but also interested in going to medical school because we're thinking this is something that really will help you with these medical school interviews and propel you into that professional school. From the perspective of the Office of Medical Education, we found ourselves sitting on just a lot of data, data that uh, had been collected from standardized patient encounters with trainees and not really having enough staffing to really analyze it or to really sort of draw from it all of the things that that might be possible to get from it. So, you know, the collaboration with Arts and Sciences really enabled us to have students have a mentored uh, research experience 
and to sort of really dig into this really rich data that, you know, so far not much had been done with. And I know we've talked to Carrie Bonert, who's director of the Standardized Patient Program here at UofL. And a standardized patient encounter, for those of you who might not know, is where students who are in the School of Medicine, School of Nursing, School of Dentistry get to practice their clinical skills. We have talked to pre-medical students about this, and, and their perception of medical school is it's going to be undergrad part two, harder, more more content, more lectures. But that's not. And, and Jerry, you know this. <laughs> Doctoring is not sitting in a classroom. No, it's not. And, and I, I think it's great that there is such a program as Standardized Patient Program. And, and I, I just have to say that being able to expose young people, whether they're still in college or they're just getting into medical school, to these kind of research efforts is so important for them to have some perspective as to how this all works. These standardized patients encounters, um, it's students that are working with uh, not necessarily an actor, but, you know, a shortcut, we'll say an actor who's portraying a specific patient case. All of these are recorded. And this is true in most medical schools that they're, they're audio and video recorded, but oftentimes they're used for assessment purposes for individual students. Sometimes they're used for evaluation purposes. But as uh, Emily said, they're a really rich data set that can be used for research as well. And having these recordings of the interactions, it's it's such a valuable data set, but it's pretty difficult to, you can't mine that with, um, you know, AI or something like that. But engaging, um, you know, yes, if you had a, a research grant, <laughs> that would be a wonderful uh, data to collect, but that can be pretty tough um, to, to get the data from those uh, recorded encounters. But being able to engage undergraduate students in this research process is a benefit for them too, which we hadn't necessarily realized what um, early on when we when we were working with uh, students on video coding and these um, standardized patient encounters, we hadn't realized what value it would have for the students as well, because not only are they getting to learn um, a you know a research experience that maybe is pretty unique and different than a lot of pre-medical students are going to have, but they're also getting to watch over and over again different ways that students are interacting with a patient, which can be a benefit to them too. Linda, would you talk a little bit about why why is it important even to engage pre-medical students in research? It's important to engage any undergraduate students in research. It is one of the these high-impact practices that we know actually increases retention and persistence in any sort of STEM plus H program. In particular, it increases retention and persistence for underrepresented minorities and for women students and also underprepared students. Research also has found that not only does it help these students, but it also helps high achieving students. Even if it's a short term project, it is still something that will increase retention and persistence even among the high achieving students. Undergraduate research experiences enhance the student understanding of scientific processes. They facilitate the development of problem-solving skills, promote disciplinary socialization, increase student interest in research-oriented kinds of careers in science, and they also impact faculty because they invigorate faculty research programs. I mean, I certainly think, Emily, you and I are the primary investigators in, yes. in MIRA. As much effort as it takes to work with new researchers, which I think a lot of people, when they think about a, a pre-med or undergraduate student, it's like, oh, starting from, from scratch. But every time we work with these students, you realize, like, oh, we love this project. We started this project out with 
uh, you know, sort of wanting to get the data processed. And at the very end of our first research period with two pre-med students from biology, we found that they had picked up so much and gained so much knowledge about clinical communication skills, uh, about working with patients, uh, that, that that's really what pushed us to talk with arts and sciences to see about how to make this more of a program rather than just a one-off, here's our research project, we got to crunch the data. Um, but how can we actually do more with this data? You started this as an effort to get data analyzed. You've engaged them, and Linda, you've delineated some of the benefits that come from that. I'm curious what feedback you get from the people who participate. So when, when you talk to them after the fact, what, maybe what did you see in the moment, and then what do, you, what do they tell you after it's done about the experience of engaging with like real work as opposed to sitting in a classroom absorbing biology and chemistry? Every student who participates in Mira, I do mostly a one-on-one interview with them. Universally, they feel as though they have learned a great deal about patient care. You know, they come in not knowing how important communication is going to be uh, or how very key communication is to doctoring. Uh, and so they come away from this process really having a sense of that, um, having having a sense of uh, you know, that, that medical education is more complex than, than they had considered, that they had thought. Uh, and also sort of the, the importance of the physician-patient relationship, that they hadn't really, they hadn't always really thought about that. And I think, too, this includes students who have done uh, activities like shadowing. Yes. Even though they've been in the clinical setting, they've been in, in more cl- closer contact with, uh, with patients than a MIRA project would give them. But they take away so much more because they're they're using different skills, so they are they're having to watch these encounters and they're they're looking for a specific piece of interaction between the the student and the standardized patient, but they are having to evaluate it. They're having to judge whether or not it's done well, and it I think it just gives them a, a different perspective versus I'm following someone I'm following the sage around <laughs> the clinical setting. Yeah, it puts them in the middle of it, right? And and I would think that at their level, they're so excited about doing anything yes. that they bring a passion and an energy that maybe spills over and energizes the people that they work with. Also add, you do a great job with assessment in other ways. So the students who start the program do a standardized patient encounter as a pre-experience and they don't necessarily nail it you know Uh, it's not an easy thing to do it takes some skills they go through all of the video coding process the research and at the end they do another standardized patient encounter and they slam dunk it you know they have learned so much not even interacting directly with standardized patients, but through the video coding, which I think is a big part of this project, that we talk about clinical skills, and these students are gaining clinical skills through this qualitative research experience, and that makes it a little bit different. It's, I would say it's cheaper because you don't have any, you know, you don't have the wet lab and all of these things. And so that's kind of what students tend to think of as research. And that's the, like the only way to get clinical experience is to be shadowing or something like this. But this is actually a richer experience 
even though it is very different from, I think, what students would tend to picture as research. You know, and you mentioned the um, the Mira students, the pre-med students who are doing their own standardized patient case, and they often talk about that being their favorite part. They say it's a it's their favorite part because they get to they get to do what a what a med student is going to do. Or you know, in our case, we've had you know dental students before, and you know, uh, so a pre-health student, they're seeing what uh, you know a professional student is going to be doing. We don't tell them about it ahead of time, though, because if you know pre-med students, they will go teach themselves how to take a history. So we really want to show them, you know, day one, here's what you were able to do. It's recorded like a standardized patient case would be. They watch that then at the end of the program and see like, oh, I, I really did. First of all, they did not realize how little they knew. Even those who, who did all of that shadowing, they're like, oh, I really did not. I didn't follow up on this. I didn't introduce myself. I, you know, I didn't ask them if they needed any questions. And then by the end, they have they've really synthesized all of those skills because they've seen it, you know, dozens and dozens of times and had to think like, oh, I like how that person said this, or I liked how this person said this. Uh, this person asked this way, and the standardized patient didn't reveal all of the information. They they're thinking about all of those things, even if it's not their primary research question for their project. So Laura, as you say that, I couldn't help but glance over at Stacy. (laughs) Who is in the Who's in the studio with (laughs) us, but not on the microphone. And if she were at a microphone in front of her, she would say, it's because shadowing is easy. That's right. Shadowing is like rereading. It's not hard, and you're not gonna learn much until you physically have to do it yourself and have to engage and sort of get your hands dirty. And it's not just them doing their initial patient and final patient, it's watching however many dozens of these interactions that they have to code where they're picking up, oh, you can't do it that way. This would be better. I like the way they said that. And they're they're loading this stuff in so that when they show up again, they're going to be a lot different than that very first time. And we've had, um, at this point, so this is what fall of, fall of 2022, we've had 22 students who have finished the program. So it's, it's not a high throughput research process, or at least certainly with uh, just Emily and I as the <laughs> as the medical education investigators on the on the program. It's but for those individual students, it has huge, huge benefits. Each student develops their own independent research question um, to, to when they're coding. We typically have another project that they're also helping us code. They'll do like a small, small slice of that project. The students will present their their independent research project at a um, undergraduate research forum, and we've had um, students present outside of the university as well. Um, Eric Bryan presented at the Southern Group on Educational Affairs about vaccine discussions uh, in 2021. We've had um, Betty No has uh, presented at an international or a national conference for undergraduate research. The ACC Meeting of the Minds. Yes. And uh, and then we had Megan Schneider actually published her work in the undergraduate research journal, The, the Cardinal Edge. Um, I think that was in 2021 as well. So, so beyond just the individual project and then the individual presentation at Louisville, they're also having some other dissemination opportunities as well, which obviously is, is important. One of the things that comes across when you talk to the students standing in front of their poster is that they loved having the opportunity to ask their own question and do their own research. They have some ownership of this, and you can tell when you talk to them 
They know what they're talking about. They point to the things on their poster. They talk about having a great time doing it. And they're also using the lingo. You know, if they're talking about social determinants of health, for example, uh, they know how to use all of the lingo. They talk about cis and trans people, and they talk about uh, vaccines. I think one of the students did a poster on whether or not the clinician was recommending HPV uh, vaccines and things like that. So they pick up on interesting things that for some reason are engaging to them, and they go with it. And I think that is one of the biggest parts of the success in terms of, you know, the students. You know, there's all these benefits to the students, but the benefit too, you know, and us, we're helping, helping them engage in research and they're helping us engage in our research. Uh, but the benefits to the administration too are that we're getting important and valuable information about where there are gaps in our curriculum. So it serves this evaluation purpose uh, by generating this actionable data on, hey, here, here's what we thought was working, but actually we're not seeing the medical students apply it. So it has that additional benefit beyond just the students who are actively involved in the, in the projects. If the doctor, their ultimate you know, product that they reach, um, if they are simply capable of remembering facts about this antibiotic or that bacteria or, or, or whatever it is, then they become transactional sort of providers of care. Um, and it's expected that you at least can transact in an effective way so that you pick the right drugs and the right x-rays and such. But the rest of it is what really potentially will make that student ultimately become a doctor who can help to transform, not just transact with patients. So that they can see the person, not just the disease. And in the course of seeing the person and communicating with them and, and helping their family deal with whatever the implications are, boy, those other skills that don't get as much attention until much later in, in the curriculum um, are so powerful. For them to be exposed this early on means they have even more years to be aware and get ready and practice being effective, articulate communicators, being sensitive, right? Having your antenna up so that you can tell when you've, if you do it wrong, you hit a nerve and how to, how to correct that. This is medical education research in a very specific niche. One thing we like to ask uh, our, our guests is to give our listeners something to do after they hear the podcast. So what would you all suggest in relation to, you know, engaging undergraduate students in research? What would you suggest our, our listeners do after they hear this episode? One of the things that I see is people don't think sometimes about their work being appropriate for undergraduate researchers. Yet, there's actually evidence out there that humanities students, for example, can participate in science research and they increase and improve their analytical skills and their writing skills. So if you know an undergraduate student, um, or if you don't, we can find one for you because we now have the Center for Engaged Learning and that's designed really to make those connections. I try to encourage everyone to bring undergraduate students into their quote unquote lab. Your lab may be your office, right? Either way, it's gonna be a great experience for them that is gonna have a lasting impact and could potentially be the thing that helps them to decide to stay in their program and graduate. 
I would encourage um, faculty and students to think about interdisciplinary research. Um, I've been in, at UofL for, for quite a while in a lot of different roles, and I know that interdisciplinary work is hard because we sort of live in these silos, um, but it's, it's one of the places where I see students get excited and faculty get excited. I get excited because it really sort of is, you know, helps bridge these, these gaps between our silos. Well, thank you both so much for being here to talk about Mira. Next week on Faculty Feed, we have two faculty members who are recent graduates of the Liam program who talk about their Liam project to use Twitter to better engage resident recruits to the School of Medicine. If you want to up your game or enhance your skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be. As together, we strive to make the University of Louisville a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to discover and connect. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional resources about today's episode. And feel free to contact us at factfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more. I'm hungry.